Hi everybody, welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Nittany Lions, your Penn State podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today is Monday, June 22nd, 2020, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. Happy to be with you here. As always, talking some Penn State football. We've got a good number of topics to get into in today's episode, as this is going to be a pretty important week for Penn State on the off-season schedule. We'll talk a little bit about some of the details coming up and what to look for this week around Penn State football. But before we do that, I want to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on all your favorite podcasting apps, such as iTunes and Spotify. And make sure if you enjoy what you're hearing, leave a rating, leave a review, let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve and make the show something you want to keep coming back to. And of course, spread the word to some of your friends. We also always encourage you to be a part of our show by sending in your questions and your comments at any time to us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Don't forget to like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. And we are also on Instagram and Twitch at LockedOnNittany. Throw it out of the way, guys. Let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. As we begin to prepare for the upcoming 2020 college football season and take a look to see where Penn State's going to stand, it's pretty well known that the running back position should be in pretty good hands for the upcoming fall as far as the Nittany Lions are concerned. Given the, that it became a strength for the team last year, especially with the depth and the emergence of some of the players like Journey Brown, we all kind of expected that the running game was going to be one of the consistent uh, aspects of the offense going into the upcoming season. Now, as you know, during this offseason, we saw one of those running backs on the roster last year put his name into the transfer portal, and that was Ricky Slade, a player that I personally thought was going to be a huge part of the offense at Penn State during the course of his collegiate career. That obviously did not take off as I originally envisioned for Penn State, as uh, the running game certainly seemed to perform very well even without Ricky Slade having a tremendous impact and obviously he had some good moments here and there but just not as many or as consistently as many as I suspected would be the case for him at Penn State so he entered the transfer portal back earlier in the offseason around February and it's been a while since we've heard about any developments about where he was going to go now as of this weekend as of the time I'm recording this Matt Zenitz of AL.com who's always got a pretty good uh, eye on all the developments in the transfer portal he says that Ricky Slade will likely transfer to Old Dominion, which uh, you know is not really all that surprising given the fact that Old Dominion is now coached by former Penn State offensive coordinator Ricky Rani. And Ricky Rani, of course, has pulled a couple of members of the Penn State coaching staff, brought them down to Virginia with him to get things started at Old Dominion. And I think a little bit of familiarity, certainly for recruiting and getting a chance to work with him last season, certainly uh, helps make for a little bit of a smooth transition, you would suspect, for Ricky Slade as he moves on to his next potential spot. Again, I don't think that anything has become official as of the time I'm recording this. It could very well change by Monday morning, uh, depending on how quickly that all transpires. But uh, I think that that's a good location for Ricky Slade. Obviously, I still think there's a lot of potential that he has untapped. I think it is a good way to put it moving forward. And I th certainly think uh, going to a group of five program with as much room to grow as that old Dominion program has, I think there's a pretty good chance that he could quickly become one of the top players, if not one of the top running backs 
around the entire group of five, not just Conference USA, but I think that that's a really good opportunity to really pile up some yards, do some damage. Obviously, he's going to need some help from that Old Dominion offensive line. And, of course, that's just assuming that he is going to be eligible for the upcoming season. As we know, NCAA transfer rules as of this moment require a player transferring from one FBS program to another FBS program to sit out a full season before they're eligible to return to the playing field. Now, those rules can be relaxed here and there. There's always a chance a waiver could be uh, approved by the NCAA for immediate eligibility. We'll have to see where things stand when Ricky Slade makes his transfer a potential transfer official. Uh, but as of now, he would have to sit out the upcoming season, which means he'll be eligible beginning in 2021 with a couple of years of eligibility still to use. So I think there's a, there's a good opportunity for Ricky Slade to really make a name for himself at Old Dominion in Conference USA uh, as one of the top running backs in the group of five. And that's not a terrible spot to be in. Obviously, it's not where a lot of people envisioned his collegiate career going, but that doesn't mean that uh, things can't work out for him at the next location. As I've always said, you know, sometimes you need a clean slate and going to a program where you're going to have more opportunity to be that impactful player. It doesn't really matter if it's at a group of five program or a big 10 program. Obviously there are some benefits of thriving at a school like Penn state or Alabama or Clemson or Ohio state that go along with a uh, being in that position, but uh, just because you're a running back at a group of five program doesn't mean that you can't turn out to be something special uh, and maybe make it to the next level at the NFL. So I still think Ricky Slade, lots of potential there. I think there's a good chance that he will be a key player for Ricky Ronnie and that Old Dominion offense moving forward. Wish him all the best of luck, if that's uh, going to be where he ends up going. I do think that Matt Zenit has a pretty good track record of his transfer news, so I would suspect that that is probably going to be uh, the most likely scenario. Now, Ricky Riley, of course, is not done pulling from Penn State, of course, to get Old Dominion going. Like I mentioned before, he had already brought in a couple of assistants from Penn State staff to build his own staff at Old Dominion, which is kind of uh, the way things go when an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator leaves one program to start being the head coach at another program. So that was kind of to be expected. But he's continuing to build his uh, entire coaching staff with the addition of a graduate assistant who has a Penn State tie. It's former, now former Penn State quarterback Michael Schuster. Michael Schuster uh, only got a couple of opportunities to play at Penn State, uh, but this is a now an opportunity for him to get started with a potential coaching career. And he's going to be heading down to Old Dominion. He announced on his Twitter account that he is going to be a grad assistant for Ricky Varney. And again, that's a good spot for a grad assistant going to a program with a lot of room to grow being coached by somebody that you have have previous experience with as an offensive coordinator or quarterback uh, relationship goes. So that's a good spot for Michael Schuster as a graduate assistant. If he's interested in continuing coaching, not a bad way to get things started there. So Old Dominion certainly putting together some Penn State flavor as Ricky Ronnie gets that program ready to take the next step moving forward. So we'll keep an eye on Old Dominion, see how that all plays out in the future. The Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. 
now it's time to me to talk to you guys about Built Bar. You guys know all about these Built Bars. They are the protein bars that taste like candy bars. How can you possibly go wrong with that combination? I've said before, and I'm going to say again, these are protein bars that actually will keep you full and energized, and they actually taste good in the process. And that is an even better combination because that is very hard to come by. And the best way to make sure you're fulfilling your appetite is by choosing from their variety of flavors. They've got nut flavors. They've got nut-free flavors. There's something for everybody out there. You can take a look at the mint brownie protein bar. It comes with just 15 grams of protein, 110 calories, and it's got four grams of sugar, five grams of net carbs. So if you're eating healthy, you're staying conscious, trying to find something that fills you up, keeps you energized, and doesn't taste bad, the Built Bar is the best way to go. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. We continue to monitor the situation around the country with college football and the COVID-19 outbreak that continues to just develop headlines across the country, in particular now with college football programs as more and more players are returning to campus, more and more tests are being conducted to ensure that those players are healthy and ready to go for those voluntary workouts or off-season conditioning. And unfortunately, there have been a lot of headlines showing that a good handful of players or a good number of players from program to program are testing positive, which is continuing to maybe re-raise the concern about this virus and what its impact on what college football could be in for this upcoming season. In more recent weeks, we saw some slight reports about just a small handful of players from one school or another being tested positive for the coronavirus. But unfortunately, over the course of the past week, we've seen some more significant numbers kind of pop up. I mean, we saw Houston shut down their off-season practices after a handful of players tested positive. In an area of the country and certainly the state of Texas that has really been ravaged hard by the coronavirus in recent weeks. Just recently, we saw Kansas State come to the same conclusion. They have shut down all of their voluntary workouts at this point in time after 14 players tested positive for the coronavirus. In recent days, we saw a report out of Clemson that 28 student-athletes had tested positive. 21 players were reportedly football players. And even more recently, LSU has now quarantined 30 players. The reigning national champions have quarantined 30 players due to coronavirus concerns. Now, I mention all this because this is a pretty important week for Penn State. Penn State has been going through a phased return strategy, as a number of schools have, as they try to approach the coronavirus and the return to college football with as much caution as possible, trying to manage it as well as possible. And fortunately, we have not seen any reports come out of Penn State just yet about any players or student athletes or staff members testing positive for the coronavirus. But it would not be shocking to see that headline come out of State College at some point in time. This is not at all a criticism about how Penn State and their medical staff and their athletic trainers, how anybody associated with the football program is handling this strategy. I think it's a well thought out strategy overall, but sometimes uh, players who may or players or staff members who may not have the symptoms can still be carrying the virus. That's one of the big things about this virus. I mean, you can carry it without knowing that you're carrying it. And that's what makes it kind of risky. And that's why it can spread so easily because if you don't know that you have the virus and you're going out and about and you're maybe interacting with other people outside of your, your close circle, 
which which has to happen at some point in time, there's a possibility that you could be spreading it to somebody else. That's why colleges are really faced with a difficult decision and about how they're going to go about the fall semester. That's why a lot of decisions were very key to watch. But moving on from that, obviously, as more Penn State football players are returning to campus, uh, including a number of freshmen who haven't been on the campus just yet because they were in high school, graduated from high school in the spring, uh, this is going to be the, the second phase of that return. So there's a possibility that we could see something happen here where Penn State has a similar headline. So it would not be out of the ordinary. With so many uh, people associated with a football program, the odds are somebody at some point in time could very well test positive for that. Now, testing positive, of course, is not the end of the world. It's just uh, something that needs to be addressed head on as quickly and as affirmatively as possible. Obviously, quarantining is the, the biggest step that you can take once you find out that somebody tests positive and then try to restrict the access, quarantine anybody who may have been in close contact with that specific person. Hopefully, that's not going to be the case, but it's all about how you go about responding to a positive test within your program and just accepting the fact that it's possibly going to happen. It's a realistic possibility, especially when you see some of these other programs out there that have been reporting so many positive tests. And we all, we all know if you look at the demographics, a college football player that does test positive probably is not going to be at a serious risk of fatality. But again, it's all about who that person may have come into contact with. It's all about the spreading of the virus. And even if you're spreading it amongst players and you know college students that are around the same age, it's probably not the biggest risk as far as fatality is concerned. But wouldn't it be better just to not spread any disease to anybody if possible? I think that's one of the big takeaways I have here. So we'll see. Obviously, Penn State has not had any news about positive tests yet. I don't know that they have had positive tests, just haven't reported it. I would imagine that, like other schools are doing, they would relay that information if needed. Uh, fortunately, that has not been the case for Penn State. But this is a big week because now you got your second phase return, more players returning, which means more tests will be conducted. We'll just keep an eye on that as the week progresses. Hopefully, everything comes out the way that it has been going for Penn State, and they don't have uh, any of those concerns moving forward. I think the key here is Pennsylvania as a whole put your politics aside, the numbers show that Pennsylvania has handled things pretty well recently as far as the coronavirus is concerned. However, as any college football program has to deal with, they're bringing in players that are coming from out of the state. So every state has different concerns right now. Every state has different issues, different uh, strategies for uh, addressing the coronavirus. So now that you're bringing them all together, it's just something to keep an eye on. So we'll obviously keep a close eye on that as the week progresses. And we'll touch on it if needed. Uh, again, I don't think that this is the end of the world. If any positive tests come out, even if it's a significant number, it's all about how Penn State and others associated with it handle it moving forward. And that's always the big key here, especially with what we're doing right now. So again, no news is good news, but don't be surprised if you see some news about positive tests coming out because that's... The, the odds are it's probably going to happen. Let's just hope that it doesn't. We all know that owning a car is a major investment for anybody out there, not just the monthly payments or the down payments and the insurance, but also maintaining and updating your car as needed to make sure it's always running smoothly. Now, if you get confused by all the different options that you have when you have to buy something for your car, don't be because rockauto.com is going to make it as simple and easy as possible for you to find the exact parts that are available for you at the best prices available. 
The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. All you got to do is go to their website, rockauto.com, enter your make and model of your car, and it's going to bring up every part by category, and you can just browse and trim down until you find exactly what you need. Even if you need wipers for your car, it's going to help you find that. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So last week on the podcast, we featured an interview with Stephen Lassen, the college football editor for AthlonSports.com, talking about the annual preseason magazine that's put out by Athlon Sports and his thoughts on Penn State and the Big Ten and some other national college football storylines for the upcoming season. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, I highly advise you to do that. It's a two-parter. So we have part one with our feature just on our Penn State conversation, and then part two covered the rest of the ground with the Big Ten and the college football storylines, as well as some thoughts on how last, this year's preview magazine was put together. Again, definitely advise you and encourage you to go back and listen to that. I will be putting the full uninterrupted interview up on my Patreon page later this week. I'll share some details with that as far as when that is available for you if you want to check that out in one uninterrupted uh, stretch. I will make that available to you. But I also bring that up because not only do I want you guys to listen to the podcast and check it out, but this is a recurring theme right now this time of year for Penn State as the preseason content is beginning to flow out in magazine form and online form. You're starting to see a lot of expectations being placed on Penn State for the upcoming season. Probably the highest expectations that Penn State has had under James Franklin and really in quite some time. Even well, a couple years ago when Penn State was expected to be one of those legitimate college football playoff contenders with Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley. I just feel as though things are a little bit different this upcoming season because I think there's a little bit more confidence on a national scale as far as Penn State for the upcoming season. You know, maybe you're not buying into it just yet, but certainly the expectations have, are there. The bar has been set high for Penn State going into the upcoming season. A lot of the rankings that you're starting to see have Penn State just on the outside of that college football playoff radar uh, with a number five ranking or a number six ranking, but not from Street and Smith. The, the Street and Smith's college football preview for the upcoming 2020 season is putting Penn State a little bit higher. Not one or two or three, but number four. If you check out their top 10 ranking for the upcoming season on the Street and Smith's College Football Preview uh, for 2020, they have Penn State at number four. Clemson is number one. Ohio State is number two. That seems to be the general consensus on all of these preseason rankings so far. And then Alabama, number three. Again, another pretty consensus pick, I think, from a lot of these rankings that are coming out for the preseason magazine. Now, Penn State, like I said, has typically been coming in around five or six, depending on the preseason publication or ranking. So that's why I was a little surprised when I saw that Penn State was coming in at number four from Street and Smith. Ahead of number five, Oklahoma. Ahead of number six, Oregon. Florida at number seven. Georgia at number eight. Auburn at number nine. And the defending national champion, LSU Tigers, at number 10. Now, I haven't looked through the magazine myself, so I assume... And I can only assume that this means that they are picking Penn State to make the playoff, even though it would look as though they lose a game to Ohio State during the regular season. And I think, as we kind of touched on last week with Stephen Lassen, an 11-1 Penn State team at the end of the season probably has a really good chance to make an argument for a spot in the college football playoff. Now, 
I hate getting into the uh, speculation about what a one-loss team uh, deserves to be in the playoff at the end of the year because I think there are t far too many variables to solve for when you're trying to figure this all out right now. Now, pretty soon in the month of July, I'm going to start going through my game-by-game -game predictions for every team in the country. So I'll share some insight on that. And But that helps me build a case for how I think the college football playoff is going to play out. Been doing this the last couple of seasons, and I think it's a fun way for me to kind of share my uh, logic and for and figure out how I'm going to put together my own college football playoff predictions. A couple of years ago, I did have Penn State, uh, I think, losing to Ohio State, but going uh, 11 and one, and they were one of my picks to make it into the college football playoff. That obviously did not quite pan out for me, but it is kind of interesting to see now uh, one of these publications, oh, well respected publication putting Penn State in the playoff uh, picture uh, for the upcoming season. Again, we've, we've already kind of agreed that Penn State deserves to be on the playoff radar, but putting them into the playoff uh, in a field that already includes one of the teams in your own division uh, certainly raises some eyebrows for me moving forward. Again, no question about Clemson. I don't think anyone's really questioning Ohio State's legitimacy as a college football playoff contender and potentially a favorite. Certainly, I'm not going to say a lock to make the playoff, but certainly feel pretty good about Ohio State's chances. Uh, and, of course, Alabama. Nobody should be writing off Alabama just because they missed it out last year. Uh, but coming in ahead of a potential Big 12 champion, Oklahoma, a potential Pac-12 champion, Oregon, um, you know, Florida and Georgia, Auburn and LSU, probably all in the mix. But if Alabama's coming in ahead of them, you know, somebody's going to have to beat Alabama. But again, you would think that somebody's going to have to beat Ohio State for another Big Ten team to be in the mix. But that just, again, goes to reaffirm the idea that Penn State is well-respected nationally right now. So living up to that bar is going to be something else. There's still some challenges for this upcoming season, as we know, especially on the road. Road games at Virginia Tech, Michigan, and Nebraska, I don't think are going to be easy games for Penn State. And, of course, they have the home game against Ohio State. Uh, another... Uh, expectation for the upcoming season you know you're starting to look at those way too early bowl projections if you get messed up in that that's fine it's not my usual cup of tea i will probably do call one set of preseason bowl projections after i go through my game by game predictions but i try to stay away from bowl projections because it it's fun content but it's not something i like to keep up to date on i'll probably take a look at it more as the season goes along but I understand people like to look at this kind of stuff because they want to see where Penn State's going at the end of the year. Well, even if they don't make the playoff, I still think a spot in a New Year's Six Bowl game is very well likely to happen for Penn State if things go according to plan. I think even a two-loss Penn State team has a very good chance to be in one of those New Year's Six Bowl games at the end of the year. And Pete Futak of College Football News has been putting together his off-season bowl projections. He had a batch in May, and I think he's kind of updated it a little bit for the month of June as we go closer to the start of the season. And he has a Fiesta Bowl matchup between Penn State and Oregon. Obviously, this would not be in the college football playoff. The Rose Bowl is actually one of the playoff games this upcoming season, so that bodes well for Ohio State. But it would look like Penn State would get a chance to take on the Pac-12 champion, Oregon Ducks, which would be pretty fun because you get the Joe Moorhead storyline, of course. Joe Moorhead was just a guest on the Solid Verbal podcast. And again, if you listen to this podcast, you probably don't need me to tell you about the Solid Verbal. Odds are you probably already know all about the Solid Verbal. It is by far one of the best college football podcasts that I've been listening to for a number of years. So 
I, they don't need me to stump for them at the solid verbal. But if you get a chance to listen to Joe Moorhead's interview with them, uh, obviously some really good stuff. A former Penn State offensive coordinator, of course. Now he's getting a chance to go to Oregon where he's hoping to build on their playoff legitimacy as well. Obviously, not a lot of people are picking Oregon to make the playoff. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be difficult, I think, for the Pac-12 team to get a team in. Even if it's Oregon, I think they're going to need that win against Ohio State to really push them over the edge. But I do do think that Joe Moorhead and Oregon are going to be a really fun combination to watch this upcoming season. We talked a little bit about that last week in our interview with Stephen Lassen, too. Well, he was focusing more on the defensive side. There's no question. I'm very curious to see what Joe Moorhead does with the Oregon offense moving forward. So a Penn State-Oregon matchup in the Fiesta Bowl sounds pretty nice to me. I would take it. But, of course, the, the big goal for Penn State for this upcoming season is finding a way to get over that hump and get beyond just being a New Year's Six Bowl team and getting into that college football playoff. Street and Smith thinks they're there. We'll see how that all plays out this upcoming season. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked on Nittany Alliance podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure you are subscribed so you never miss a single episode. We also encourage you to leave a rating and leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. We appreciate the feedback, and it does help with our placement on those various podcasting apps. The more feedback you can give us, the better off we will be moving forward. We also openly welcome any of your questions and comments at any time. Send them to us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at the user account LockedOnNittany. So give us a like, give us a follow, send us your tweets. And Wednesday's episode will be a mailbag segment, so make sure you send in your questions now so you can make sure that they are included in the next episode of the podcast. The more questions, the better. The more questions you have, the more comments you have, the more we'll be able to interact with you guys. So make sure you send them in now to make sure that they are guaranteed to be in on Wednesday's episode. I'm Ken McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Kevin on CFB. I should also mention I just signed up for the Big Ten Network Big 10K. It's a virtual race this year. I always wanted to take part in it. And now that I get a chance to do it from home, I'm looking forward to that. So if you want to get some details on that, make sure you give me a follow. I'll share some information on my journey to that. And of course, I encourage you to participate in that event as well. You can check out all the information on my Twitter account at KevinOnCFB. And of course, I am a contributor to AthlonSports.com. Next week on the site, I will have some more schedule analysis as we take a look at the strongest games on Penn State schedule down to the weakest games as we take a look at the difficulty of schedule moving ahead for the Nittany Lions. Lots of other stuff to look forward to as well, so make sure you check that out. As for the Locked On Podcast Network, make sure you get your Big Ten filled by checking out the Locked On Big Ten Podcast right now on the Locked On Podcast Network. Lots of good stuff covering all aspects about Big Ten football going into the new year going on over there on Locked On Big Ten. And until next time, everybody, I want to wish you guys a great Monday. Get your week started on the right foot. Go 1-0 today. It's the only way you'll go undefeated this week. Until next time, everybody, thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you Wednesday. We'll be right back.